Welcome to the Buran and Associates podcast, Insurance Banter. Um, in each one of these episodes, you'll experience insightful discussions about important topics that you can immediately implement into your business to become a more effective insurance professional. Now let's jump right into the discussion. Uh, good morning, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Paul. How about yourself this morning? Fantastic. Doing very well. Doing very well. And today's topic is a pretty pretty fun one for us. It's going to be, is your goal just to make money or are you trying to make money and take care of the client? What are some of the challenges that you face there? So um, in your experience in talking to agency owners and producers, what do you think they have as far as making a sale? Are they just out there making sales? Are they, even if it's wrong, and is, is that the right thing for us to do? Make that sale that's actually isn't very beneficial to the clients. Oh, the way you phrase that, Paul, has a, a myriad of different angles to it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there's there's absolutely people that make sales to make sales. Uh, let's not not fool ourselves. Um, they make sales to make sales. Uh, whether it's exactly the right sale or not the right sale, you know, is um, it also is not of interest to them sometimes. In other cases, though, you have people that are making sales that they think are right, the right sales, but they're, they're totally the wrong sales. Um, and they just don't know enough about what they're doing to make the right sale. So an example I saw uh, in a, a court case last week really gets to that point. It was for a residential contractor. The policy excluded anything, everything imaginable to do with residential construction. And yet that's all the client did was residential construction. And so I was sitting there scratching my head going, why in the world would somebody sell a residential contractor a policy that excluded everything that they do? That's, you know, that's totally nonsensical. Now, I don't know the agent. I don't know the, the details on it, but the question that came to my mind was, did they make a sale to make a sale because the, the policy that excluded all the coverage the client actually needed was cheaper? Or did they do it because they have no clue what it is they're doing? Um, and I think that's what happens a lot of times is um, we just, in those situations where people don't sell the right coverages. I think another argument that is the extent, an extension of that though, is if you don't know what you're doing, is it just evidence that you don't really care? There's some truth to that. Yeah, I think so. That's, that is a, a great way to segment that out. You know, you've got a lot of the direct writers and direct channels that hire people into call centers that really are not those professionals. And they're just making the sale, right? We're just providing you an insurance policy, regardless of what you're really looking. You've got a policy, you're good. Mm-hmm. Even though it could be just like you talked about with that contractor, that it that's all it is, is a policy. It's not protection. It's not anything that you're going to do other than write a check and get a piece of paper. That's all um, you're going to do. There's a I, famous case that really got to your point, a uh, very famous case out of Hurricane Katrina. It, was, it went all the way through federal court, and it was um, with a direct rider. And um, the exact spe- metrics I'll give you are a little bit off. I don't remember the exact details. But it was for a homeowner's policy, 
And um, these two homeowners asked the, the agent, they said, should we buy flood? And this was a house that was like, I don't know, two feet above uh, sea level. And it was um, just like 50 yards or so from the water. And uh, the agent said, no, I, I don't think you should buy flood. And their house ended up with four feet of water. They sued their agent for E&O. And the judge said, basically, look, you, you bought a policy from an idiot. So buyer beware, you should buy from better, more professional agents in the future. Um, because he was there just to sell you insurance. He wasn't there to give you good advice. And um, that, that's a pretty famous case. And so again, I think it, it, it's obvious. Were they there to make a sale or were they there to take care of their clients? They were there to take care of the clients. The answer to should I buy flood is a very simple answer in a situation like that. That's a no brainer. So I think. Oh yeah. And we'll, we'll get to, I mean, that's a situation where, and almost always in hindsight, if someone's experienced a loss, the answer is always, of course, if the agent offered that, I would have bought it. Right. Am I a dummy? No, I would have totally done that. But yet, Prior to the loss, at the time of purchase, a lot of times it's hard for customers to spend that extra money for mm -hmm. clients to write that extra check. So we'll we'll get into maybe that in a little more more detail. But if you're sitting there at at an agency listening to this podcast and thinking, okay, do I do I know if the folks that I work with know enough so that they can sell the right coverages? or I maybe uh, don't have the confidence that they really know what they're doing, that they really know how to do those things. What are some of the things that you can implement at an agency level to try to protect yourself and make sure the correct sales made that actually does take care of the client? Well, I think that first and foremost is to make sure you understand what the client is doing on, on a commercial level, especially, but then read the policy. Um, it's essential that you read the policies that you're selling um, to close that gap. If you aren't reading the policies that you're selling, there's no way to know if you're actually taking care of the customer. It's an impossibility. That's number one. I, and I, don't, I think if you skip that step, the any other steps are kind of pointless. Now you've talked before about um, account minimums and saying you need to write a certain dollar figure. Maybe even to expand on that, a certain dollar figure and, and, and additional lines of coverage, right? Just because you maybe place a, a GL policy with someone or just a comp policy and that's all you've got, obviously, you you've just made you've just made the sale rather than taking care of the client. Right. Yeah, I was I was in an, uh, working with an agency a week or two ago, and something like seventy five percent of their commercial accounts generated less than five hundred dollars commission. So the challenge I'd have to that client and to everybody listening is this: if you write in a commercial account correctly, and I mean correctly, not by what the client will agree to buy but writing all of the coverages that client truly needs, how many accounts can honestly generate less than $500 commission? It's a dang near impossibility if you write the accounts correctly. And people will say, argue all the time, they'll say, 
Well, but if it's a small account, the owner doesn't need work comp on themselves. Why don't they need work comp on themselves? They clearly need it. Why don't they need it? Well, because they don't have to have it. Well, not having to have it and needing it are two different things. Or it's on their spouse's um, benefits policy. Well, does their benefits policy, did you take the time to check if the benefits policy excludes coverage in the event that they could have had work comp? Or, well, they don't need commercial auto because they use their personal auto. Well, is the personal auto rated correctly? How's it titled? And once we start going through all the right questions, well, yeah, then they do need a work comp policy. Yeah, then they do need an umbrella. Yeah, then they do need commercial auto and they need all these other coverages. They all need cyber today. And you're probably looking at a minimum of $1,000 commission per policy for everything written correctly. So there's a huge opportunity to increase revenue. But the other part is this, it's simple. If it's less than that, all it is is an E&O waiting to find a place to happen because we know they have inadequate coverage. It's simple. Yeah. And this is where we circle back around to, to of course, after the fact, the person is going to say, I would have bought that. If that was offered, I would have purchased it. And I think anybody that's been in the industry for a while that's dealt with clients knows that you've got clients that that won't or or will fight you on it. I mean, the example for me very recently is we had a producer leave the agency. And so we're following up on some accounts. And he'd actually, I think, not done a bad job on this particular account. But I called the, the client to schedule a pre-renewal meeting. And the, the guy was pretty short and curt and was just, I hate insurance. I don't want to talk. Just send me what you've got, right? And, and so, you know, it, it, the challenge for a true professional in that case is how do I do my job correctly with a person that's going to fight you on it every step of the way, so to speak? They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to deal with it. But you have to not just make a sale. Your job really as as a as a professional is to take care of the client. Yes. So how do you go about doing those type of things? Um, advice for, for folks in, in those situations. So the best thing to do in that situation is if, assuming they'll accept a, a conversation or a meeting with you, some of those folks won't even do that. In that case, you have to, to send them a letter to protect yourself. Um, but a coverage checklist, the old fashioned coverage checklist, sit down with them, explore their needs, document their needs, and have them sign off on coverages that you know they need but they refuse to buy. And hopefully out of that meeting, they will agree to buy those coverages that they really need. You'll have fulfilled your professional obligations. They will have the coverages. And if they don't buy them, you'll have a pretty good documentation to protect yourself in an E&O case. It's a real win-win solution, those coverage checklists. For sure. And, and I think most people that say don't want to talk about insurance, aren't going to want to talk about that coverage checklist, right? But I think the one thing people do like talking about is themselves. So if you, instead of talking about it from the insurance perspective, just like you've mentioned, I don't know how many times in the past, is you got to understand what it is they do. You get them talking about their business, 
um, what's been going on with them, what's their operations, what's their plans for the future. And then in that conversation, you can then start going through that checklist, whether they're going to talk about it with you after the fact, or that's something you're going to put in your, your letter and your proposal with the right disclaimers and the recommendations. Um, Yeah. You know, if I had my rathers and, and um, if I really had my rathers, I, so I, you know, we have a program where we teach people how to do that and it's a lot of fun to do it. Um, In some cases it's kind of interesting because uh, a lot of producers I've met through the years don't actually want to sit down with a client and find out what they truly do. Uh, They feel like it takes too much time. And it's somehow or another really confrontational, <laughs> but it's a it's a wonderful opportunity to really get to know your clients and build the, the relationships stronger. To start every conversation with, tell me about how things are going. What new part, um, areas are you going into? How's your marketing plan developing? Are you are you having a hard time hiring people like everybody else is today? Do you have a supply chain issue? And as you start asking questions like that, they're more generic things that they're much more response likely to, to respond positively to you. You're getting some of your insurance questions and coverage questions answered without having to talk about insurance specifically. And it's a much better conversation, but, um, but it will take a little extra time. And some people will say, I don't have that extra time again. Do you not have the extra time to take care of your clients or do you not have the extra time to make the sale? For sure. And one other thing that that I'm thinking about in in a past life and experience working in in small towns in rural areas. um, And this is the thing I think that the industry struggles with from a carrier from a carrier side. You get down in there in a small town out in the sticks and nobody just has a auto repair shop. You know, they'll have an auto repair shop with a few tanning beds in the back. And so, you know, as, as a producer, you're like, do I even really want to know what the guy's doing in, you know, with the tanning beds? Because then, then it's my responsibility. And I know every single one of my underwriters aren't going to work with me on this. And I think that's a challenge that I, I, I'm not smart enough to have a solution for, but I know it's something that if anybody from a carrier has listened to this, if you can solve some of those things, um, it, it would be great. It's just like I worked for a carrier, personalized carrier in, a, in, a, in an area that I know there are trampolines. I mean, I could walk out my back door and look down the, the fence line and see 75% of those houses had trampolines. The carrier didn't write trampolines allegedly, uh-huh. but yet you knew that, yeah, they wrote trampolines all day long and weren't having the issue that their product people thought they would. So it's, <laughs> we, need the, we need some companies to help us as agents to be able to write these things correctly because that could be an issue as well, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, if you're a producer out there and some carrier has knocked you down 25 times in a row, when you, when the actual risk is probably minor to being totally not real at all, sometimes you 
you know, you, it's better to not remember what you saw. And that sounds nefarious or something, but there's a reality check, right? With, I mean, as I got my start as an underwriter and as an underwriter, you can underwrite so that you never accept another risk ever. There is never going to be a risk good enough to write. But the, the issue in the industry is, is that we're here to, at the carrier level to take risk and it's a measured risk. It's not that we eliminate all risk and we can do another podcast on how the industry is really ruining itself by trying to make sure that at the carrier level to make sure that they don't write risk, they actually have claims. Um, I just finished a, a study for on a particular carrier and that particular carrier has um, underwritten so effectively that they have shrunk by 20% in the last five years. And they are still making more profit than they should be actuarially because their actuarial people, underwriting people, overestimated the losses that were going to occur by such an enormous amount that there's probably another 10% of uh, premium shrinkage to come. Well, the, the answer is, is maybe we should take a little bit more risk and fill up the, and, and address it that way. Um, but to your point with the trampolines, they were ensuring them whether they knew it or not, whether they had the rate or not. And somehow or another, it wasn't an actual issue. Oh, let's have a reality check at that level too. So, <laughs> yeah, I, it, it is interesting. It is, it is definitely challenging to talk to some clients and to, to make sure that you're taking care of them uh, yeah, and, and not just making a sale. But that being said, as a, uh, as a professional, it's always, it's always harder to be a professional than it is to be an amateur, but it's a lot more gratifying. So it's so much harder. And we were talking before the recording started about complexity and that's the difference. So an amateur leaves things simple, even though they're complex. A professional, and one of the reasons people don't like insurance, including producers, is because it's complex. I was doing a class yesterday and someone said, well, that's really super complex, man. I don't know if I want to deal with that. Well, yeah, insurance is complex. An amateur makes it simple without addressing the complexity. A professional will take that complexity and they will understand it in depth, but they will change the change it without losing any of the detail so that it can be messaged in a way that's simple enough for the customer to appreciate the difference. And that to me is the mark of a true professional producer. They don't simplify it to the point as if by leaving all the complexity out, they simplify it by putting the complexity into a better, smarter message so that everybody comes out a winner. And, and I've, I've said for a long time in, in our business that complexity is actually a subsidy for the folks that, that understand it. Yeah. You understand that complexity and, and that gives you, uh, I think, a sustainable competitive advantage for sure. um, that you can use to your benefit. Absolutely, 100%. If it wasn't complex, they don't need agents. Let's make that very clear. If everything was a three-page policy, 
they don't need agents. It's too simple at that stage. Agents are there to address some of the complexity. Good. Well, Chris, thank you. Always enjoying these conversations. Appreciate your insights, and we will look forward to uh, talking next time. Paul, always fun to get with you. Appreciate it. Take care. Thanks Have so a great much. weekend. Bye. Okay.